right, let's take our Bibles out tonight. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, if we could. The book of Nehemiah, and uh, Nehemiah chapter number two is we're going to be at for most of the service. And while you're turning there, I just thought of this a moment ago when Brother AJ pointed out uh, our guys back there in the back. Uh, be sure to show our appreciation to the tech guys and our ushers when you get a chance. When you pass by them in the hallway or you see them back there, be sure to give them a, a note of appreciation or something, a pat on the back every once in a while for all that they do. Uh, a lot of our ushers are around doors tonight. They keep us safe, and uh, every once in a while, we'll have a, a good reason for them to be there, and uh, we don't always appreciate them like we should and uh, until maybe we need them, and you realize we always need them, so we're thankful for them, and uh, we just got the speakers working around the building, and so they're able to hear now and pay better attention uh, in the service, not fall asleep back there, right? Uh, I know they're back there not falling asleep, amen? Uh, be sure to thank our tech guys for all the work they put in to make sure that people outside our walls are able to tune in. Nehemiah chapter 2, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand and look down to verse 11. Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse number 11. I'm going to read down for about five or six verses, and we'll pray and let you be seated. And I want to encourage you a little bit tonight, in the brief time that we have, be in prayer for our kids as well as they're in master clubs tonight, and all those that will be speaking with them. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 11. The Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, and, I, and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof consumed with fire. Then I went to the gate, uh, onto the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us tonight. Be encouraged by Nehemiah. Lord, thank you for preserving this wonderful account of your power and working through your people. Help us tonight. Preach what you'd have us to, to say what you'd have us to say. And Lord, I pray we'd receive it and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I was thinking this afternoon, we're not going to do this, uh, but if we went around the room tonight and had a poll, uh, and we took a poll of all of you that were here, I think many of you, if not most of you, would probably agree that at some point between Sunday night service and Wednesday night service, a little bit of the motivation that you had on Sunday, if not most of the motivation you had on Sunday, runs out between then and Wednesday. Could we agree with that tonight? That maybe you leave here on Sunday and you're excited. Uh, folks are calling me during church. I'll have to answer that one afterward, right? Uh, you leave here on Sunday night, and I hope you're excited. I hope you're motivated and looking forward to doing the will of God. Uh, and then maybe on Monday you go to work, and Monday is not a great Monday. You're tired. You get to work. Uh, there's a co-worker that gets on your nerves, and uh, by the end of Monday you've lost a little bit. Uh, and then on Tuesday, boy, you go into work on Tuesday, and now you didn't start at 100%. You were at 85 or 75 
And you get to work on Tuesday, and next thing you know, you have a workload sitting on your desk, and you have grumpy people that you're working with, and customers coming in, or, or maybe your spouse wakes up in a bad mood, and uh, look, we're all human. That can happen from time to time, right? And by the time you get to Wednesday, that motivation and excitement uh, and zeal for the will of God has gone from 100, maybe down to 25, and maybe even down to zero, if we're honest tonight, I think we'd all agree that it's hard to live in the world without feeling the effects of the world, uh, especially if you're trying to live according to the will and the word of God. It is impossible to live in the world without feeling the effects of the world. I'll give an example. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible talks about the acts becoming dull because of use. Uh, I think we could all relate to that a little bit. Uh, I've noticed the older I get, the more dull I get. Uh, seriously, uh, my fashion has gotten more dull. My diet has gotten more dull. The longer I live in this world, the more dull I get, all right? That happens spiritually too. We live in this world. We try to serve God in this world, do the will and the word of God in this world. And after a while, because of serving in this world that is sin-cursed, we begin getting dull. You know what the Bible says about that dull axe in Ecclesiastes chapter 10? The Bible says that you have to put more strength. That when that axe gets dull, uh, and when that blade gets blunted over a little bit, that you have to swing harder, and you have to work harder. Why? Because it's getting wore out. I think that's a, a term we've all used before, and uh, if you have kids or have worked around kids, I think you've probably used that term before. You are wearing me out. You ever heard that or ever said that? Uh, the use, you're in action, you're going to work, and slowly over time, circumstances take effect on you. Now look, in life, in this physical body, that is the norm. We live in a cursed body. It is going to only get worse. It's not going to get better. But if you're not careful, that mindset will enter into us spiritually. We get out into the world, and suddenly the circumstances of the world, and boy, we are living in chaotic times. Uh, I, was, I don't watch a lot of the news, I just try to keep up with the basic headlines, but the other day I was watching as they voted out the Speaker of the House there, and for the first time in American history, uh, we're seeing history unfold right in front of our eyes, and I see what's going on over in the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia cozying up with the world, and wanting to have a little bit of peace with Israel, and oh, there's some crazy things happening going on in the world right now. If you're not careful, you'll look at all the circumstances of this life, and it'll begin to wear you out spiritually. Uh, you'll begin wondering, what is the use? What's the use of getting out there and living for God? What's the use of trying to win people to Christ? And what happens is the circumstances of our world begin impeding the service that we have to God. That, hey, it's a hard life out there. The world is tough right now. Circumstances are wearing us down. And if you're not careful, those circumstances of the world we're living in will begin to dictate your service to God. Meaning, you'll serve God when the circumstances are good, but when the circumstances aren't as good, you just begin to become stagnant in your walk with Him. Can I tell you something tonight? I, th I think you probably already know this, but let me encourage you with it a little bit. We don't have time for seasonal servants tonight. We don't have time for people that uh, are only going to serve God when the season is good and the season is right. I joked with you Sunday, but I mean this, and this probably doesn't make me look good, but I still mean it all the same. Uh, this weather makes me feel like exercising. I looked at the forecast the other day, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, somewhere around there, we have a 49 on the forecast. 
I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, doesn't that just make you feel good already? I mean, we had 99 and 109, and now it's going to be 49, and man, suddenly you just feel like spring cleaning or fall cleaning, or you feel like going for a walk. Why? The weather's getting right to get out there and do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in your physical life, but in our spiritual life, can I tell you, on the whole grand scheme of time, the clock is ticking, and we don't have time for seasonal service. We don't have time to allow the circumstances to dictate our service to God. And we've got to be motivated to be about the will of God, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's fun or difficult, we've got to stay motivated to be about God's will for our life. Now, tonight we're going to look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great example of someone who was motivated. And he was motivated, and his motivation far exceeded what he had that discouraged him. Now, this is amazing when you look at it because Nehemiah had a lot of things that discouraged him. You say, what do you mean? Well, I want you to think about where he just left and where he went to. He left the castle. He left the palace. He left a comfortable, cushy job as the king's cupbearer. He left a position of authority. He left a position of comfort. And now he's gone to the burned-out ruins of a city. Think about it. Now, he's left the comforts of that to go to a city that has been burned with fire. It is a depressing place that he's going to in his homeland. Think about this. He left the comforts and security of the palace. And now he's about to go and do the will of God in this wrecked out city while men ridicule and revile him. Sanballat, Geshem, and Tobiah. And yet Nehemiah stayed motivated. Now, folks, I believe that God gave us, gave us examples of people like Nehemiah for us to learn from and to realize that Nehemiah stayed motivated in spite of his circumstances because what he was motivated by was something that really mattered. I'm afraid today that what motivates us in our church, not just our church, I'm talking about the church in America, we are motivated by a lot of things that don't matter. That's why we don't stay motivated very long. I had a pastor ask me at lunch today, uh, one of the speakers, Brother Micah, had come in and preached our chapel, a pastor from South Louisiana, and he was talking about the falling away of the church and uh, how disappointing it is when, when people fall away and, and get out of church. He says, why do you think that happens? I said, a lot of times I think it was motivation, that we were not motivated by what matters to be faithful to the house of God and the word of God. We were motivated by things that we liked. We came to church because I like this, or I like them, or I came to church because this is what I enjoy. We're not motivated by things that matter. And I assure you this tonight, that if we don't start getting motivated by things that matter, circumstances will eventually discourage your walk with God, and you'll walk away from God. So we're going to look at Nehemiah tonight, and we're going to look at this very simple thought of motivation that matters. And we're going to look at his life real quickly in the next 30 minutes that we have. You don't think I can do it in 30 minutes, do you? Challenge accepted. We're going to look at what motivated him and how that motivation mattered more than what discouraged him. Now look, this is how you stay motivated in anything. Motivated in your walk with God, motivated in your marriage, motivated in raising your kids right. What motivates you has got to matter more than what seeks to discourage you. And let's look at what motivated Nehemiah, if we could. Look down to verse number 12. Here he is doing a survey trip of all of the rubble and of all of the destruction. The Bible says he goes out during the night, verse 12, and I arose in the night and I some few men with me. 
Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Believe it or not, one of the greatest motivations in all of the world is right there in verse number 12. He's showing you, listen, not only why he went to Jerusalem, why he got up in the middle of the night to go right around and look at all of the rubble and all the destruction was there. What was motivating him? Verse 12, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Do you know what was motivating him? It was a burden. He had something on the inside that God had put there, and what God had put on the inside was motivating him to get out and go look at all of what was there. Now, can I tell you tonight why so often we lose our motivation? Why do we lose our motivation to do the will of God and be faithful to the Word of God? Why do we lose our motivation? Can I tell you why it is, number one, tonight? We lose track of our burden. That's what it is. Number one, tonight, if we're going to have a motivation that matters, number one, you need to remember your burden. Remember your burden. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes in the course of serving God, the circumstances begin to outweigh what God has called us to do. But can I tell you something tonight that what is God, what God has called us to do, and the burden that God has placed upon us as we as his people to reach the lost and dying world is far greater of a burden than any burden we're going to face outside of these walls. Why? Because it's eternal. What God had placed on the heart of Nehemiah to do was something that mattered more than all of what he would encounter. Now, folks, let me tell you something tonight. Times are not easy. Times are tough. But our burden has got to outweigh the difficulty that we're going to face in doing the will of God for our life. Why do we lose our motivation? Well, it's very, very simple. We lose track of the burden of what God has called us to do. Now, I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. Here's the Apostle Paul who never seemed to lose track of his motivation. What kept Paul going? What kept Paul going when he was shipwrecked? What kept Paul going when he was beaten with rods? I have never been beaten with rods, neither do I want to be, okay? I do want to be like Paul, but I do not want to be beaten with rods, okay? Because some of you, I can see the look in your eyes. You're thinking, well, you want to be like Paul? I'll help you to be like Paul. No, not really. Not that much like the Apostle Paul. Beaten with rods, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was in perils of his own countrymen. All of these things happened, and he stayed motivated. What was it that kept him motivated? What was it that kept him moving forward in the will of God for his life? I believe he never lost track of his burden. He never lost track of what God had placed on his heart to do. So how do you know that? Let me give you a verse, 1 Corinthians 1.1. I preached an entire message out of four verses in this years and years ago. 1 Corinthians 1.1, the Bible says, Paul called to be. Paul called to be. Now you're saying, what does that have to do with anything? Well, Paul's about to say a lot in 1 Corinthians. He's about to tackle some difficult scenarios and situations in 1 Corinthians. How did he just keep doing what God called him to do? Because he was Paul that was called to be. He never lost track of his burden of what God had called him to do. Can I tell you tonight why I believe we get so uh, lackadaisical when it comes to the will of God? We lose track of our motivation, which comes from our burden. Paul says here, hey, I'm called to this. I'm called to this. Look, in your toughest days, when it's difficult to do the will of God, I mean, you're trying to raise your kids right, and as I heard a mother, I heard a mother say this one time, I think my child is the spawn of Satan. 
I never said, nobody, somebody say amen that. I hope not. I'm not going to look around. I don't know who amen that. And you look at your child and you're thinking, they very well could be. How do you stay motivated? You remember, that's what you're called to do. You're called to be that parent. I mean, sometimes in your marriage, I mean, the husband's going to look at your wife and wonder, why do you think that way? And she's looking at you. Why do you think that way? Well, I am a man. She is a woman. They are different. Therefore, we think differently. And you're going to get so frustrated as you try to carry out the God-called roles of the wife and the God-called roles of the husband. How do you stay motivated? That's what you're called to. That ought to be a burden to us tonight. We are more burdened about our jobs. We're more burdened about our retirement than we are at what God has called us to do. You ever think about the word motivation? The root of the word motivation is the word motive. It means your reason why. Paul says, listen, the reason that I will go through all that I've gone through is because this is my reason why. Good days or bad days, I stay motivated. Why? Because what verse 12 says. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. Now, I want you to see this. There's some, I don't know that I've ever preached on this exact thought here. I'm going to give you here in just a moment. If you're not careful, you're going to find yourself burdened, but you're going to be burdened by things that God did not put there. Now, I want you to hear me say that again because I only had two amens, so that means you must not have got it, okay? Nehemiah says, what was motivating him? Nehemiah, why did you leave the palace to go to the rubble? Why did you get up in the middle of the night? Nehemiah, what was burning on the inside? He says it was something that God put there. Something that God put there. Now watch. Do you know what I believe the greatest distractions in our life that cost us our spiritual motivation? Is when we are carrying burdens in our heart that we should have already given to the Lord. He says, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. You know the difference between God's burdens and your burdens? Well, notice the Bible says, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. All right? God says, I'm going to give you a burden to do something. You know how you know when it's probably a burden you shouldn't be carrying? Because it causes you not to do. How do you know when you're carrying a burden that you should have cast? There's some burdens you're supposed to carry. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, Nehemiah was carrying one that God put there. Neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do. God put that burden in there. And that's what was motivating him. But here's what happens. In life, we are worry warts, are we not? And we worry about things that God says you should have cast, not carried. This is a burden you should carry. The burden of the will of God for your life, the burden of what God's called us to do. Oh, that's the burden we should carry. But all of these other burdens are burdens that he says we're supposed to cast upon him. Do you know why we lose our motivation sometimes? Because we're overburdened by things that we were supposed to cast, not to carry. Nehemiah says, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to leave the palace. I've got to get up. I've got to go right around the city. What was burning inside of that man, it was the burden that God called him to carry. And I'll tell you tonight, you want to get your motivation back? You need to remember your burden. Hey, scratch off all the other burdens that you're not supposed to be carrying anyway. They're burdens you were supposed to cast. Matthew 6, is that not what he was telling them? 
well, Lord, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? He says, that's not for you to worry about. That's my worry. Cast that worry on me. Here, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the burden you're supposed to be carrying. But here's what happens. We walk through life, and we start collecting burdens we were never meant to carry. And after a while, the burden that God gave you is now buried. And now you're carrying all of, imagine burdens as rocks. One little rock's not that heavy, but after a while you get another one, you get another one, you get another one, you get another one. And now you are so burdened down, you've lost your spiritual motivation. Because all of those burdens you were supposed to cast, and this is the one that God says you're supposed to carry. Now I want to prove it to you real quick. The first point's the longest, okay? So don't get discouraged. Mark chapter 4, turn to your right real quick. I want to show you something. Mark chapter number 4, I want to prove my point and prove God's point here. Mark chapter 4, look down at verse, um, look at the verse 18. The parable of the sower, it's explained here. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, watch, and the cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in, entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. What happened? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There was good seed sown there. But slowly the good seed got choked out by other things. Do you know oftentimes those other things were things that God was going to take care of all along. We were never supposed to carry those things. Matter of fact, Matthew 6, 33, go back to the passage. What did he say? And all these things shall be added. God says those other things, those are burdens I carry. Hey, aren't you glad tonight? God says, you seek me first. Hey, you carry that burden. You remember that burden. Don't forget that burden. But can I tell you why we lose our motivation? We start carrying burdens around that were God's all along. He says, you know what? The reason you're so worn down, the reason you've lost your motivation, is because you're carrying burdens you were never meant to carry. He says, the one you're supposed to carry, let me give you an example, is in Nehemiah. It's the one that God put there. What did he say? Neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do. Can I tell you tonight the biggest thing that we are burdened by? The greatest thing tonight I believe we're burdened by, we are burdened by choice. We are burdened by choice. So what do you mean by that? Look, there's nothing wrong with, you know, worrying about our kids. We want to make sure our kids do well and make sure they're healthy. There's nothing, nothing wrong with being concerned about that. But can I tell you, ultimately, it's of the Lord. Every time I've taken a kid on a missions trip, we get ready to get on an airplane, and you can see the look on mom and dad's face. You have two different moms and dads that are there. You have the ones who cannot wait to leave the airport and go wherever they were going while their kid is away. And they're trying to hide their smile. And then you have the other ones who will not pry their fingers loose of the kid as they get ready to go through security. And they're worried every time I quote Proverbs for them. The Bible says safety is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. That's not a burden that I have to carry. That's of the Lord. I mean, am I frightened to think that maybe in a little less than two years, my daughter will be at college somewhere without dad? I don't like to think about it. Have I taught her how to change a tire? Have I taught her how to tase somebody? Have I taught her jujitsu? Have I taught her all these things? Have I taught her how to do that? Have I taught her how to make her own cane sauce at the house? I mean, life essentials. Have I taught her all of this? Ultimately, can I tell you, 
I'm just her caretaker. She's on loan from God. She belongs to God, and he's going to take care of her. But sometimes we get so busy in life carrying burdens that God did not, verse 12, God did not put there, and that's why we lose our motivation. You say, well, what are we supposed to do with all of these other burdens? Well, Psalms 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. How do we say stay sustained in our motivation? By casting the burdens we're not supposed to carry and by remembering the burdens that we are. So number one tonight, how do we have a motivation that matters? Well, the first thing we need to do is follow Nehemiah's example. Let's remember our burdens. Hey, let's get back to what God has called us to do, not things we've chosen to worry about in the meantime. Now, keep reading. The Bible says in verse 13, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley. Even before the dragon well and to the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. There's a word I want you to see right in the middle of verse 13. The Bible says, to the dung port and, what's the next word, and viewed, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem. Now, tonight, this is a key part of our motivation. Number one, we've got to remember our burden. Hey, look, when you feel like you're not motivated spiritually, it's probably because you're being weighed down by burdens you were supposed to cast, not to carry. Get back to the burden of who God called you to be and what God called you to do. Let that be your motivation because I'll tell you, that kept Nehemiah going. But number two, notice he went out of the city that night and began looking at the broken down walls that were there. Now, folks, this is important tonight. Sometimes we lose our motivation because we lose our focus on why we're here. We lose focus and we lose sight of the purpose for which our Father left us here. Now, if we want to stay motivated and want to be motivated by something that matters, number two, we've got to refocus our vision. Notice in verse 13, he went and got a vision of all that was broken down. And boy, can I tell you, that was enough to motivate anybody. I believe tonight, if you'll think about it, what we see has a lot to do with what we do. What we see has a lot to do with what we do. Prime example, commercial. Sonic is brilliant. Sonic even lets you watch commercials now while you're waiting on your food. I would love to know the repeat red button pushes now because of the screen that's there. Advertising food. I'm there the other day, and uh, Leslie was at the ladies' conference, and me and Miley went to get lunch and went to get some grilled cheese. And while we're there, I look up on the screen, and they now have fried pickles, one of my favorite foods in the whole wide world, fried pickles with ranch. But they were the spear-shaped ones. You know, I'm used to the round ones. These are the long-shaped ones. And the more I sat there, the more motivated I was to push the red button again. Hi, Sherry. It's me again. Use me by name. Push the button again. What are commercials all about? They're trying to motivate you. They want you to see what's on the screen. And by the way, the Whopper never looks like the thing on the TV when you get it in the, in the wrapper, does it? I mean, the thing is four inches tall. It has the most beautiful lettuce curled up around the edges, the biggest, most beautiful tomatoes. And you get it, you have to peel it back and find it's all there. But why, what are they doing? They're trying to motivate you. Can I tell you tonight why we lose our spiritual motivation? Can I tell you why? We lose focus of our vision. We get our eyes off of what God has called us to do, and we lose track of the mission that God left us here to be about. Notice what Nehemiah did. How did he stay motivated? The Bible says he went and viewed the walls of Jerusalem. Lamentations 3. I love verse 51. What does it say? 
Mine eye has affected my heart. Mine eye has affected my heart. If you're not careful, you will train yourself to ignore what God has called us to do. It's like the people who panhandle, sometimes outside of a gas station or outside of Walmart. And I know a lot of those folks, I'm sure, could do way better by themselves, but they don't want to do that. And after a while, we learn to look away, don't we? Right? I mean, nobody wants to see that. Uh, I've been to New York City. I've been to Los Angeles. Homeless populations there have exploded. Uh, I mean, entire homeless encampments underneath the overpasses. I'm not talking about just somebody sleeping under a sleeping bag. We're talking about entire cardboard homes and uh, tarpaulin villages that are there under the overpasses in Anaheim and Los Angeles. And every time I go through there, I don't want to look at it. Do you know why? Because I'm soft-hearted. And if I look at it, I'm going to, it's going to, I'm on vacation, all right? I'm going to Disneyland or I'm, I'm going over to a, a Dodgers game. I don't want to see that right now because it's not going to make me feel good. You're thinking, what kind of a pastor do we have? You have a human pastor, okay? I don't want to interrupt my good vibes by seeing all of these people that are homeless. And so we just learn to look away from it. I, I don't want to see that right now. If you're not careful, you'll do that spiritually. You'll start overlooking the very reason that our Father left us here. And that's why we lose our motivation. We've got our eyes fixed on other things. Now, I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to look at paying my car off. I'm going to look at doing what I want to do. I'm going to look at where I'm going on my next vacation. That's what I'm going to focus on. And all the while, we lose focus. And then we lose motivation. I want to tell you, it's impossible to look at what Nehemiah looked at and not be motivated to do something about it. Think about it. It's impossible to look at the burned out city. This was the city he knew, his hometown. It's burned down. And he looked at it and he said, I can't just sit here and look at this without doing something. You see, his vision, his eye affected his heart. I read a story years ago and I've heard it preached on and I've heard it quoted. But let me give it to you tonight, a little bit of backstory on David Livingston. 1863, he was a 23-year-old young man and he heard veteran missionary Robert Moffat. David Livingston, we know, would go on to become the great trailblazing missionary in Africa and walk across Africa numerous times, winning thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to Christ, suffer uh, attacks of malaria, lion attacks, you name it, he suffered, his arm hung by his side. As a matter of fact, Miss Katie brought me a, uh, a rock from his memorial. Uh, no, she didn't steal it. I saw him thinking about it. Yeah, she stole it. No, she didn't steal it. It was a free rock she brought me back from uh, Botswana when she was over there and David Livingston heard Robert Moffat say this, and this is what motivated him. Robert Moffat says, I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no one has ever heard the name of Christ. What motivated Robert Moffat? Well, he stood on a hill and looked out over the country and saw a thousand cook fires of villages that had never heard the name of Christ. And when he saw all of those villages knowing they'd never heard of Christ, it motivated him. And just the very story of that inspired a 23-year-old David Livingston to go to the mission field. What happened? Vision. Vision. He saw the need that was there. He realized, boy, this is what I should be about and should spend my life on. We had a, a lot of missionaries come through in September. We planned it that way. And uh, I get to go spend a little time with them while they're here and got to go to a uh, Thai restaurant with the Ray family uh, the other night. And they're speaking the language there. And, you know, I just felt, I felt like the outsider there at the dinner table because uh, I didn't know the language. They asked me what I wanted for dinner and I just said number 26 because I could not pronounce what was there. 
we're sitting there talking with John and Christy and even a little charity about their country. And you could just hear it. You could just hear it. They're pointing out, here we are at uh, Jutama's over on Timothy Lane. And they're pointing out the statues on the wall. That is the false god so-and-so that they worship. That is the, the idol so-and-so that people bow down to in our village. And you could just hear it. You could just hear it. Number one, they had a burden. Number two, they had a vision. Here they are in America, and they're still talking about getting back over there where God's called them to go. What is that? They're motivated by what they've seen. People are worshiping a false idol, a false god. They're raising their children that that false idol and that false god is going to get them to heaven. And they're motivated to get back over there. Why? Because of what they've seen. I'll tell you, God may not be calling you to a mission field tonight, but I will tell you, you ought to just look around Hattiesburg. Just look around Hattiesburg. What did Nehemiah, matter of fact, real quickly, what did Nehemiah see? Real quick, look down at verse 13. The Bible says, he viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down. Can I tell you, you don't have to look very far around Hattiesburg to find somebody that's broken down. And I'm not talking about a car. I'm talking about a life. You don't have to look very far to find a marriage that's broken down, a teenager that's broken down. But listen, at some point, we've got to refocus our vision off of what has got our attention. And refocus our vision to the broken down. Matter of fact, the last part of verse 13, the Bible says the gates were consumed with fire. There's so many people, their life is consumed. Yesterday, not yesterday, a couple days ago, Leslie and I are headed north on 49. And we get there to the, um, the red light and the train trestle that's there. And we watched a lady up on the hill have an impassionate conversation, argument with somebody who was not there. She was letting somebody have it. And so I asked my wife, look, I'm getting a little older, just to make sure, do you see anybody? She says, no. And this lady, well, she, whoever it was, was getting on her nerves, something fierce. And she's letting them have it. My heart broke for the lady because, you know, something has consumed her. The sad thing is, that's less than a mile from this church. That's what we're called to reach, folks. People whose lives are broken down, whose lives have been consumed. You say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the problem. We've got to refocus our vision. We're not motivated to be about that, to go this way. And by the way, so would be you and I had it not been for the grace of God. There's none of us that were born with a spiritual silver spoon in our mouth. Thank God somebody was motivated to reach us or to reach your mom and dad or to reach your grandparents, whoever the first generation that was. Now we've got to refocus our attention to reach the broken down and the consumed that are right here in our back door. Our example, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says this in verse 36. Listen close. But when he saw the multitudes, listen close. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Do you know what I love about that verse? It says, when he saw, he was moved. When he saw, he was moved. Folks, I'll tell you, it's easy to complain about what's wrong, but we ought to keep our mouth shut if we're not willing to give out what's right. And we have the answer to that. John chapter 4, he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. What is he saying? Refocus your attention. I promise you, you'd find motivation if we just looked at the broken down and the consumed that are all around us. You think about a vision test. I had one a while back. I went to the doctor's office, and after COVID, you know, all that stuff messes with our eye. Oh, you messed up everything, didn't it? 
I go in there to get my eyes checked, and they have all the things on the chart. And do you know how you tell, this is very simple, but I want you to stick with me. Do you know how to tell whether or not you have good vision or not? Some things are fuzzy, and some things are in focus. All right? Some things are fuzzy, some things are in focus. Now, now stick with me here. Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says that this church of Laodicea, you know one of the answers that Christ gave that church? He says, one of your problems and one of the things you need is to anoint your eyes with eye salve that you could see. This church that will welcome the return of Jesus Christ, this Laodicean church, is going to have eye problems. There are some things that are going to be fuzzy to us that should be in focus and some things that are in focus that should be fuzzy to us. You know what I mean by that? Well, as a Christian tonight, the world and the temporal things, those should be fuzzy to us. What we should be focused on is setting our affections on things above. That's what should be in focus. That's what kept Moses going. That's what kept Abraham going. They had their eyes focused on something. Abraham says the treasures of Egypt and all of this, oh, that's kind of fuzzy. It ought to be fuzzy. We shouldn't be focused on this stuff. We should be focused on the, the will of God and hearing well done one day, and that's what will keep us motivated to do the will of God. Number two, how do we find something that motivates us that really matters? Well, it goes back to our focus. We have a burden. We have a focus. That's what's going to keep us motivated. Finally, I'll give you this. We'll be done tonight. If you look down all the way to verse 17, I want to show you what his, what his reply was after he remembered his burden and refocused his vision. The Bible says in verse 17, then. That's what every one of us needs tonight. We need a then. We need to get back to our burden, get back to our vision, and then what? Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Now, I love this. He remembered his burden, he refocused his vision, and then all of a sudden he says, hey, let's get here and let's build up the wall of Jerusalem. He's motivated. He, he was not discouraged by what he saw. He was motivated by it. I mean, have you ever had a big job to do? Maybe, maybe the house, you kind of let it go for a few days, a few weeks. Maybe husbands, you let the yard go for a little while and you have a jungle out there. And all you have is this little push mower, right? I knew you were going to laugh, Ms. Brooke. An electric push mower, right? An electric push mower. Inside joke. And you let it go for a while, and the grass is so tall, you, you get all psyched up. I'm going to go cut the grass today. And you walk out there, and you look at it, and you're thinking, nope. And you go right back in the house. You see how bad it is, and you don't want any part of it. This is not what Nehemiah did. Watch. He went out. He saw the walls that were broken down. And look, he didn't just do a passing glance. He rode all over the city, if you'll look at the points he touched on the map. He came back with a fire in his belly. He says, let's build. Let's build. Now you're thinking to yourself, what is wrong with this man? Can I tell you what was right about this man? He knew he had the answer. He knew that he carried the solution that that city needed. Tonight, can I tell you one of the greatest motivations? And I'll close with this third one. Be reassured in our solution. Let's be reassured tonight that we have the answer for what's broken down and what's consumed. Can you imagine, look, oftentimes I am at the hospital. It seems like once a week, at least once a month, visiting someone with cancer. What a plague. What a plague. I just read about one of the LSU 
uh, defensive backs today, uh, Brooks, I believe is his name, who took a brain tumor out, a, a, an aggressive cancer, a brain tumor that he's got, and going to have to go through all these treatments. Cancer, what a, what a horrible, horrible pestilence that we have in our society. So many people suffer from it. I don't know how many bedsides I've stood next to, and there are people that, that, that may not get better and are not going to get better, and people that, that go on to heaven. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. What would happen tonight if you went home and suddenly the Lord, hypothetically, appeared before you and says, I, I'm giving you the cure to cancer. Here it is. I just, I just believe in my heart you wouldn't put it in the top drawer of your nightstand. I don't think you'd go and say, yeah, you know what, we might have to try that out if I ever get cancer. I bet you'd be getting dressed as quick as you could, get to Forest General Hospital going down, knocking on doors, waking people up, I've got it, I've got it. You'd be motivated to leave your house, drive to Forest General, drive to Merritt, drive to University in Jackson. Why? You've got it. You know you've got it. The people that are broken down with cancer and consumed with cancer, you got it. You know you got it. This is not a theory or a hope so treatment. You know you have the answer for what is broken down and consumed. I promise you that motivates you. And yet sin, how more grave of a death sentence is sin? We have the answer. You say, well, are you sure? Absolutely. We know we have the answer because we have God's word on it. That's the greatest motivation of all. That we watch are reassured of the solution that we have. The lady that was up there on the hillside having this conversation whose mind has been broken down and consumed by some type of a, a life-altering, mind-altering drug. Hey, we got the answer to that. So how do you know? Well, there was a man that lived in the graveyards in Mark who had a bad case of that as well. And Jesus had an answer for him. You know what will motivate us tonight? Number one, remember your burden. The burden that God put there. We are so burdened by things that God did not put there. God says, I'll worry about that, I'll worry about that, I'll worry about that. Do not waste your time with that burden. I didn't put the burden there. So get all of those burdens out of the way and find that burden of what God put there. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it knowing, hey, this is why God left me here. Number one, remember your burden. Number two, refocus your vision. What are you focused on tonight? Why can't you see the broken down and the consumed that are all around us? Why can't we see that? We've got to refocus our vision. We're not looking for what God says we were here to help lift up and raise up. And then finally, the motivation that matters, well, it's very, very simple. Be reassured of our solution. We got it. Not a hope so, not a think so, not a might so. To know so salvation. Jesus Christ that raised up Lazarus. Oh, he can raise up the most broken down and consumed life that you've ever seen. But somebody has got to be willing to be motivated to do what God's called us here to do. Amen? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask you this real quickly tonight by way of invitation? Have you lost your motivation? Could it be tonight you've gotten distracted by things that don't matter? What matters? Well, remember your burden. Get back to what God put in there. Not what you've picked up and carried along the way. What has God put in there? What did God leave you here to do? What is tonight robbing you of your motivation? Remember your burden. Number two, refocus your vision. 
Are you focusing on things or people? You should be focusing on Christ tonight, focusing on what God's called us to do. Tonight, if that's not motivation enough, you just realize that God's given us exactly what the broken down and the consumed need if we're just willing to take it to him. Father God, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity to be at your house and to be with your people. And Lord, these are motivated people. They're here on a Wednesday night. Days are getting shorter. It's getting darker earlier. And a lot of folks made the trip to be here tonight. I'm thankful for that. Not preaching at them, Father, just sharing, Lord, what you've shared with me. That I, I cannot afford to be a seasonal servant, getting motivated when times are good and losing motivation when times are bad. Lord, Nehemiah shows us no matter how bad the destruction, the heartache, he maintained his motivation because his motivation matters. His burden, his vision, the solution he has. Help us tonight, Father. Help us be about your will here in Hattiesburg. Help us reach those that are broken down and consumed. And Father, I pray that we be motivated until we see you in the clouds and hear well done for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed tonight, eyes closed, our fans are going to play for just a few minutes. What a shame it would be to not be motivated over something that didn't matter. Didn't matter. Well, I, I couldn't go to the broken down and the consumed because I was too burdened by what? What? Can I ask you, the burden that's taken the place of the burden God put there tonight, whatever that burden is tonight, is it going to be worth it? It's not. It's not. Nehemiah says, I've got to focus on something that God put there. God put something on the inside of me. And I can't let anything distract me from what God's put on the inside of me. But what about the palace, Nehemiah? Does it matter? God's put something in here more burdensome than the comforts of a palace. What about the persecution, Nehemiah? Does it matter? God's put something in here that's far heavier than persecution. Something God put there. See, you talk about how bad things are. My life's pretty good. Amen. Thank God for that. But can I tell you, we are living in the midst of broken down and consumed people. By the grace of God, we're not. tonight we can't see is that why he said lift up your eyes perhaps we're not moved with compassion tonight because we're not seeing them like Jesus saw them for this verse tonight, going to close, let's leave here motivated. Amen. Thank God for the privilege to be a part of his work, whether it's here, whether it's over in Africa, whether it's down a dirt road, small country church, doesn't matter. What a privilege it is to be a part of that. And so often it's easy to lose our motivation. Things creep in, life creeps in, life does happen, I understand that. But boy, one day when we stand before God, 
If we just keep that in our focus right now, let all this get fuzzy, keep that in our focus. It'll be worth it that we kept our spiritual feet moving, amen? It'll be worth it to the people that we reach as well. So I pray tomorrow as we go out, let's be motivated. We've got a burden, God's given us a vision, and we have the solution. And whether people realize it or not tonight, we've got what they're looking for, right? Get you a sack of tracks on the way out. Solutions on the back. Be motivated to give that to somebody. Amen. Any announcements before we close? Yes, we're going to move the fall festival meeting to Sunday night. Had some folks want to be here tonight, couldn't be here. And so fall festival meeting Sunday night right after service. If you're interested in being a part of it, we need a few more booths this year. So sign up for that. Amen. Brother Zach. Family of God, sing it now. I'm so glad I'm